Welcome to Learning with Lowell. I'm your host, Lowell Thompson. We cover biotech and science-related topics on the show, such as startups working on antibiotic drugs or colon cancer, to venture capitalists talking about funding and how that worked, to people talking about how they found a science-backed startup. Two, and this is one of my favorite parts, people talking about specific science-related topics, such as whales or protein engineering. You're really going to get a lot, and it's all going to be about science on this podcast. Today we're joined with Murat, director and synthetic biology developer and co-founder of Antiverse. Antiverse is a computational antibody drug discovery platform where they combine in-house lab expertise with state-of-the-art machine learning to predict antibody antigen binding and provide antibody drug candidates in no time. In this episode, we get into many different aspects of his startup journey. You name it, we're really going to get into it. What's unique about what you're, you're building? Our vision is to speed up drug discovery. Discovering a drug disease to the market can take 12 years and a $1 billion. My background is in programming, and our back to fix time is a couple of hours today. So for me, this is something shocking. I know it's much more complex environment, but there is much to be done. So we were thinking, how can we kind of improve this process, drug discovery? And I don't know how much that I should go in, but most of the disease-making molecules can be targeted by another molecule called antibody. You have to find this antibody by one or two methods. One of them is called immunization, by injecting this disease-making target into an animal and then collect the antibodies produced by the immune system of that animal, adjusted for human use, that's called humanization. Or you can have a library of antibodies, and once you have this new target, you can try to match an antibody to that target, trying by one one by using automation. So that's called screening, screening an antibody library. Now, both of these things take easily 18 months, sometimes more, sometimes it's not possible because creating this target molecule or proofing it is not easy. For both of that, you need a lab. So what we try to do, cut that 18 months of time into one day and do everything in a in silico model on a computer. And the benefit of that to people will be, okay, you say that now there's a new disease, an outbreak or something new, and you need to find an antibody matching that. We will just get the sequence of this molecule, amino acid sequence, put into our system, our algorithm, our mathematical model, will spit out a list of antibody amino acid sequences that once you synthesize, will bind to this target and eliminate it or render it harmless. What made you want to build that? What makes me okay? Hmm. Yeah, is there like, have you ever, do you ever watch the TV show Westworld? Yeah, I did. Oh, TV series? No, but I watched the movie from 1980 or 70. All right, well, you should probably, I haven't seen that one, but the, the new the new series is pretty good. But the I don't know if they have this in the old one, but some of the robots have these things called primary memories, where like it's the thing that anchors them into their narrative. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious, like, is there primary memories or primary things like that that anchor you into developing this? Like, do you have if you're like Batman and your parents got shot, and so you grew up to become like a a, <laughs> a crusader, you know, as a more like probably colloquial way of uh, describing it, anything like that? Well. I can tell my personal story, then we can, I can answer the question again from the team uh, perspective of our team. I'm a programmer, and in master's level, I got bioinformatics course, but to be honest, I didn't like biology much. 
and it never occurred to me that it was something I could do something exciting with. Then I moved into web development and Windows development, apps and all sort of stuff. Then I moved into finance, working with high-frequency trading companies. And around those times, I lost a family member to cancer. And my approach to that problem was, okay, you know, I can do nothing about it. There are experts on this topic that should go and handle it. But it made me thinking, could I really do something about it? And I started to read more about it and thought, you know, as a programmer, what can I contribute to in terms of biology, in terms of healthcare? And I found out that actually I could do a lot, especially if you, I'm sure you heard uh, synthetic biology. With synthetic biology, you could do pretty much everything. It captured my imagination, like basically reprogramming E. coli to produce fuel, to produce insulin, or clean meat, producing meat without harming any animal, producing artificial silk and all that kind of stuff. So I was already programming software and a bit of a hardware, but this, this just gave me another area, biology, to apply my programming skills on. I thought, yeah, I can do something about it. Fast forward like three, four years, I, uh, I tried a couple of other things and I noticed that I want to do something in, in healthcare by applying my programming and robotic skills, but I also need some biology. So I was looking around and at that time I came to Deep Science Ventures and met my co-founders. So you're the programming guy. What do the other two do? What are their key skill sets? One of them is called Rovina. She has a PhD in cell free protein synthesis. She is the head of biology. And we have Ben, and he is responsible of machine learning. How does machine learning work with this? Is it is it really complex? Like when you look at it and you're not a machine learning specialist, can you make sense of it? Or or is it like gobbledygook and you just kind of put stuff in there and it kind of works out once your co-founder helps out? I wouldn't say so. No, no, not at all. Especially on the conceptual level, I think anyone can get it. Maybe definitely you need to be an expert to create something new. There are definitely challenges that I couldn't address myself if Ben wasn't there, for example. And I think that would be true for other companies as well. For example... Our software solution has two legs. Uh, first of them is a rule-based model where you code everything that you know about binding of two molecules. And that is kind of a hard-coded fixed bit of the software. However, not all the rules are known when it comes to binding. And there are these unknown rules which can be inferred if you have a custom bespoke data set. Generation or the collection maintenance of that data set bl- requires a biology and that's why Robina comes into picture. Now once we have that information to infer the data from or the new unknown rules, you need a machine learning expert. And that's where Ben chimes in and looks at that data and infers the rules so that with known and unknown rules we create this predictive software that comes up with the antibody amino sequences. Well will your tool be something that completely just do its own thing and people wouldn't have to really touch it other than to give it the parameters maybe or is it like something where like a person has to be there so drug discovery is a long process with multiple steps and our aim is to replace some of those steps fully however we'll still need some people downstream to do for example synthesizing those antibodies and do further optimization. And then, of course, there will be preclinical trials and clinical trials and so on. So you are not going from disease to an immediate drug that you can print out of a machine and swallow. 
but you you replace some of the steps completely by taking the MATLAB out of the picture. If you have complete funding and you could hit multiple areas of drug development, do you think there'll ever be a time where 12 years we can do it like a tenth of the time? Also, excluding regulatory stuff, because like red tape will add to it, but like the actual costs when it comes to time and and managing things. Do you think it'll ever be down to something that can be, make it like a tenth of the time or something like that? Have you read Homo Deus? No, it's been recommended to me and I've, I I know it's, I know what it talks about. Yeah, so it has a chapter and celebrates a little bit about that, that biology is algorithms. So once you know that algorithm, potentially then you can digitalize the whole process, all that appears. In, in reality though, the complexity and the unknowns in biology is just so huge. I don't know when will we be able to reach that. Just to kind of clarify it, for example, we know the number of genes in human, but we don't know actually most of the function and the functionality of most of them or how do they interact with each other. Or we may know the number of proteins that are produced in a single cell, but you also need to know the sometimes concentration level of those proteins, the pathways, and this is on a single cell but they also act as a group. So you don't know the network effect very well as well. Like there are just so many unknowns. There is no single one cell simulation that completely simulates everything that happens in a cell. I think there's lots of fundamental science that has to be done before we can start automating stuff. Well, from, from where you are today, how long would it take you to have a finished product that can do what you want it to? There will be uh, interim milestones, but the quick answer would be one year. We would first start with maybe a smaller problem, like affinity maturation. What it means is you already have an antibody sequence that binds to a particular target, but you try to increase its affinity, its binding strength by mutating that amino acid sequence. Or you might do cross-reactivity checks so that it doesn't bind to a wrong place and so on. So there are some services that we can start generating revenue, but our end goal, doing in silico antibody discovery, we think it will happen in, in a year time. That's pretty good. That seems pretty quick considering like biotech stuff. I, I would think it would take a really long time. Are, are you guys just like a very effective team or... Is it actually not a long time and I'm just stupid? <laughs> is it? <laughs> well, you see, if I think what you think is really true for most of the biotech companies when they have to do lots of bad lab work. And the, the biology has a speed limiting effect. But we were lucky to obtain some data that already exists out there. And we are also going after collaboration with pharmaceutical companies to get their in-house data so that we can at least skip some of that in-house data generation just just to just to start developing our model to the next level we already have a model out there that works for a small that works on a small data set with high confidence level but antibodies to give you a taste of it in human body there can be 10 to the power of 12 or 13 antibodies you have to pick the right, you know, maybe 10 of them for any given target. So, so you are looking for, let's say, let's be generous, say 100. You try to get the right 100 of them among 10 to the power of 13. That's, that's quite hard to accomplish from the get-go. But once you have more and more data, it becomes an easier problem to solve. So we are somewhere along on that journey. We are not at the beginning. We are not at the end. And based on our progress in the last 
one and a half year, we predict that we will be there in a year. Is it with your current, or who would you need to make that one-year goal happen? We will definitely get more help on the machine learning side and also the biology side. For the machine learning side, it definitely helps to run multiple strategies for different test cases to see which one works better than others. So Wales uh, has a program which we enrolled into, and then they offered us two machine learning experts to help out with. Also, we are considering to do some in-house data generation and apply for some grants. If they come through, then we will do in-house phage display screening, which will create the bespoke data set we are looking for. Because the, the data set we are after is not necessarily available in in some of the pharma and CROs, contract research organizations, where they do drug discovery. Like they don't need the data we are looking for to just discover an antibody with the existing methods. So most of most of the people out there don't have it. That's that's kind of the barrier to the market or to the barrier to what we try to achieve. Is there anything that would make you think it wouldn't work out? I think this will happen. I don't know if Antiverse will do it. I would be happy if we do. But it will happen. I think it's a matter of when. Of course, there are risks. The, the technology risks are that you may not be able to generate enough data with the money we raise, or we may not be able to source it from other pharma collaborations if they want to, for example, pursue a similar project in-house. But on the other hand, for the big pharma at least, they, they look out for companies like ours and then go out and buy out the innovation to stay in the competition. So I don't think it's a big, big risk. And for not being able to generate the data effectively with the money we have, we already researched a couple of different methods. And if one doesn't work, we have still a couple of more tricks in the back to try. What stops someone from being like, I'm going to do like what you're doing? Are there any like proprietary special sauce that keeps them from being able to do that? I think that, yeah, there are three different reasons. I can think of the first one is... In terms of the projects pharma undertake, this is quite a, a, a different, the project that we are developing, it has a different risk profile. I don't think pharma has the risk appetite for that. The second, the type of the project we work on requires kind of an, a team that is coming from different backgrounds and skill sets. And that doesn't necessarily happen in pharma. And like the third one I said, you're right, uh, they would rather buy out the de-risk projects than putting their reputation or time and spending on a high-risk project. Because you're, you're a pretty smart guy. Is there any way to like further and moat? In, in the shorter term, if we can extend our in-silico model to the second, third, and the fourth steps of drug discovery, then we will be able to produce our own assets. By asset, I mean INDs, like investigative new drugs, so that we can, rather than saying, you know, for the target, we found these amino acids, we can do the uh, later steps, all sorts of optimizations and creation of the antibody and doing the maybe wet lab testing and say that, okay, we know that this is a, this is a good product that can be commercialized and then maybe collaborate with pharma to get it through the clinical trials to the market. So we can probably turn from a heavy software-sided company to a, a more balanced biotech. It's usually the advice given to people who start out who don't have money, find a way to make money for people who have money, and then once you 
develop yourself and what you have. You kind of been siphoning off your own assets the entire time. And then you build your own thing. And then you're like the person with the money. And then you just keep building your own stuff. That seems to be like a very effective way to build out your own your own line of things. Like first you work with the companies who, you know, have the money and then or which are basically paying you to cut your teeth on stuff and learn, you know, all these like cool intricate things and then learn new, new a- applicabilities cuz like they have that long-term experience that you don't have. So they're kind of telling you what the important stuff is at the same time. And there's still lots to be done, so I think you see lots of big pharma companies going out still using the platforms rather than acquiring them because I think it was the CEO of Novak who said that once you buy the platform, you kind of kill it once it is inside. The company that you bought out the platform may lose its agility and, and the way how it operates. You know, So I, I can imagine a future where we are completely independent, not going through a buyout and serving the whole market. What are the things that you're building today that are is going to make your success evident? I think we need two critical components. The first one is there is someone in your audience who has a phage display screening experience. Then I hope they will get in touch with us. We have so many questions to ask. And the second one is pharma, pharmaceutical companies, they have a special department for, for innovation, for collaboration. So... If there is someone in those departments listening to this show, thinking that we can benefit each other with this project in terms of data generation can be co-development projects and so on. We, we would really like to hear that out. I'm sure you had like a bazillion ideas. What made you feel like this was the right time to do it? Because like timing is always one of those things. That's why the Joker always, they always say the Joker doesn't have any superpowers. I read this thing where someone made this theory that his superpower is actually timing, which makes sense with Jokers, like comedians. Like, they have to have really good timing. So I'm just curious. I think for for us personally, many things came together. For example, for me, there were many facilitators. Like, being in UK, being in a hub like London, where you can meet many like-minded people and bouncing ideas was very helpful. Deep Science Ventures, bringing so many, I think, bright people into one location and then give them some kind of creating an up an environment, a soil that you can kind of flourish your ideas was was extremely important. And I think, um, just give one more example on that topic. I wasn't the only software guy in that program. Ben wasn't the only ML guy. Robina wasn't only the biologist, right? So you could immediately go through five, six different people that, that sees a world almost like with the similar lenses that you have. And the, the team is critical, right, for a startup, and they provided us an environment that we can build a strong team. That was the first. I think the second component for us was that they were giving financial support for people who had this entrepreneurial spirit and willing to quit their full-time job and so on. So maybe I wouldn't, you know, be able to go after this project if I was somewhere else in the world. So that was kind of important. And from the technology perspective, machine learning is is kind of developing with a great speed. And every day in one aspect of the world, it is having superhuman abilities like recognizing image to the diagnosing certain sicknesses better than doctors with so many years of expertise and so on. And we thought that now the technology is mature enough to apply to a different problem set, which is thought that impossible to solve. I think those are the two topics. First, there was an environment so that 
three people who wouldn't even know each other would come and then chat and build something together. And the second, the technology maturity level is now on a good level to address this problem. That makes sense. You need a you need the right type of environmental factors to create life after all. True. True. When it comes to you, I believe you're the CEO, but you might be a director. No, I'm not the CEO. We are all directors. We didn't take any C titles. We pretty much do whatever needed, uh, depending on our skill set or depending on availability. Okay. So that's I like a nice org chart. So this will be something I can learn about. How do you like? Who's the boss? You can't have two captains. So then. Having three captains just sounds more confusing. If you use another metaphor for that, I read this many years ago, but maybe I should go check that. However, for spacecrafts that go for a space mission, right, they have three navigation software, all built by different teams by using different languages and technologies. And the direction of the spacecraft or any action is decided by the majority of the outputs of the softwares. If two softwares, for example, says that, okay, you gotta go left, and the third one says go to the right, it goes left, and we, we cruise our, our startup that fashion now. Will you guys ever have a traditional org chart? It's like a different way of doing things, so I'm kind of curious. Are you all gonna stay as directors in the long term? Well, if you think about it, I think the form should follow the function, and we don't see the need for those titles at the moment. But when time comes, probably we will sit down, have a chat, and think what is the best for the company. But but you get to be the boss, right? <laughs> Who is the is the most suitable? It doesn't have to be one of us. If you see the, for example, the Google case, founders of Google, they got a CEO on top of them. That's true. Because running a company is different than not knowing being the great in the technology that. Well, it's all kind of like made up stuff. Like it's basically who who's charting the way forward and then the roles. It, it really depends on the culture you're trying to make, right? Like Bill Gates was very org, traditional org chart. He liked kind of like set rules in that way. Steve Jobs was a little different. Like there's like there's definitely different ways to do it. There's some people who have horizontal charts. People only people step there's like people that are designated leads on special projects. But then when the project's done, they revert back to everyone else's level. Like there's definitely di- many different ways to like skin that cat to use a horrible metaphor. And it's always something I'm always curious about. Like why why have three directors versus a CEO, CEO, and like a CTO, for instance. You know, it's like operationally maybe I guess it doesn't really matter. But it's also like it's also one of those things I'm, I'm always curious about. Like what is the most operationally like? Are there operational reasons why one would win out more than the other one? You know what I'm saying? Like like I could see de- decisiveness would be helpful in having one designated boss kind of like yeah yeah i think uh, our governance model is more look like democracy than autocracy or anything else well you need a dictatorship (laughs) (laughs) but it makes sense i mean it has its own benefits right it's it's when you think about it uh both of them maybe you know a couple of years down the line if there's a need for that but it will i think probably happen what i'm thinking is there should be a need first than just a, a plain desire of having just picking c titles for yourself that's true that makes sense and you're Europe- the you're the european and you probably doesn't like dictators anymore you guys had a lot of them because <laughs> you i think you've mentioned you have a couple of partners already that you're working to develop what you're do you have an idea and this might just be, yeah, we already referenced it, but do you have an idea who your first like batch of customers are going to be? We were originally thinking that selling our technology to CRO is easier, contract research organization, because of the company size and 
being able to directly speak to the key decision makers, you know. And we already reach out to three of them. They show extreme interest in what we are developing and willing to test them out. So probably we will start with those three companies. On the other hand, though, we got lucky with, I don't know, getting lucky with the right word, but I'll say so, with two pharmaceutical companies, with one of them, we are already generating data to improve our model. Depending on the direction of our relationship, they might be one of the first pharmaceutical companies that would go and use our services. What are you a nerd about? In your free time, do you and your two co-founders nerd and watch soccer or play board games? Like, I'm sure you guys don't always just work. So I'm just curious, like, what do you guys do in your free time for fun? Well, we are not co-located, but we have daily calls every morning. So we know about each other's private life. Now, I don't want to say too much about my co-founders. I, I, I think they will probably present themselves <laughs> later on. But for me, I do type of Kung Fu and I play poker. Do you play it well? or? Yeah, I, I had some success in live casinos, Czech Republic, Germany. I was like in US as well. So yeah, I would say that I'm, I'm okay. If you ever go missing, should we assume it's the gambling debts? Like <laughs> the, the mafia is coming for you? Or the mob? I don't know which one it would be. Uh, I don't know. I might use uh, the next big poker tournament for fundraising there. Hey, you know, you got to be creative. And that tells a very powerful narrative. If you go to a poker game and use that as seed capital. Yeah. People, yeah. Would that would get so much PR buzz. Like that'd be really, I, just for the fun of it. Like do whatever sounds fun and can be profitable at the same time. I think it's not that as crazy as it sounds. I know at least five people who did that. <laughs> well, it wasn't the bad company, but they do. It's okay, though. Yeah, I like it, though. That'd be fun. Tell me if you do it so I can, like, root for you. I'll definitely let you know. I, I think Antwerp will keep us busy for many years to come. But if there was enough capital and I would work on a different project, probably it will be something in synthetic biology field. And, yeah, it would definitely be capital. I'm kind of going off of that question. If you had, like unlimited funds what would you do well for antivirus it's very obvious we would just go out spend all that money to de- generate the data the way we want also we would probably you know like hire the best experts out there <laughs> to speed up the process yeah i i don't see if money could just accelerate our development any further because you are limited for certain stuff for sure you know just throwing in more money and more people will will eventually speed it up but to a certain level then it will saturate. You personally, what would you do? I would still do probably something in this field. Yeah, I'm pretty confident. I would think it, it, money wasn't the motivation, so I wouldn't, you know, take the money off, go to Bahamas or wherever the rich people go, some cocktail. Do you have any intellectual idols or people that you look to in the business or biotech community that you maybe look for and like kind of see what they're doing and take that as a form of mentorship or just are inspired by them or... The first name comes to my mind is George Church. He has a book on the region assets where he explains the application of synthetic biology. And one example is, for example, there is a Spanish goat which went extinct a couple of years ago. But before it did that, um, they stored its DNA. And by using a different type of goat as a surrogate, they, they brought this extinct species back to life first time in human history. So Did it eat people? You know. <laughs> did it eat people? Jurassic goat? Oh, uh, no, no. It, it didn't survive long enough to do that. But it, it could. I don't think it would anyway. Which is George Church, the guy out of, I think, San Francisco? He's the author of the book Regenesis. Yeah, isn't, but, isn't, yeah. Isn't, isn't he like one of the fathers of biotechnology? Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, well that makes sense. Mentorship and what you've learned. Who has been a mentor to you? If anyone, some people aren't lucky enough to have mentors. Yeah, two names. He was there from the very early science venture and he was helping test the idea to do product market fit, help us to navigate kind of the, the big pharma organizational church and find the right person to talk to. It's still helping us out. And that was on the business management side. On the biology, it's Dr. Andrew Martin, the professor through CL. He sounds, he sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> He's in one of your podcasts now. Yeah, he, he's a great help. He has 30 years, 30 plus years experience in the field. He has developed already many software about antibody structures, binding predictions, and so on. So it's immensely helpful. All right, then what is some mentorship stuff they've given you? As long as it's not proprietary. I don't know. They, they trademarked the advice, but what, what type of stuff have you, they helped you with? I think on, on both occasions, it was bringing clarity you know, especially very early on in your startup life, everything is a little bit fuzzy and you're unsure of most of the things you do. And these people can come in and cut out lots of noise and help you to focus. They know the closed dead-end paths and so on so that you don't have to explore them yourself. I, I would say they were experienced. Uh, it's something that you wouldn't get easily. You just have to be there for a lifetime to know that. And having access to such distilled knowledge was one of the I think, most beneficial things for us. I mean, are you looking for new mentors? As part of our new seed round, we will already have some. Once that investments come through, most of our investors are known names in the field, so they will automatically be our advisors. What have you learned from your journey so far that if you had to write a book to give your son, what would it have in the book? What type of advice would you give to your kid? Advice is quite strong. I would probably try to be as objective as possible and kind of have it more like a journal and describe our journey. Because what I found out that, you know, you go to a talk and somebody tells their success story and you go to another, another one, another one. And suddenly you hear all these success stories with a survivorship bias. So the, the pattern then and the, the advice in this case that you, you deduct from such talks is not necessarily the key components of success. You just have to maybe listen hundreds of them. Like just one sample, if I just tell you my story, you cannot just take it away and do something very useful with it, I think. But if you maybe heard enough of them, then maybe, then maybe you may be able to detect a pattern and say that, okay, if I follow this, is this and that, I might be successful. But I think there are too many moving parts to drive an immediate lesson. Maybe only thing, only one thing I would say, start fundraising as early as possible from day zero. <laughs> it's a long process. All right, then for people who want to follow along, what are the key ways that they can learn and follow along with your journey? They can directly contact us on LinkedIn or they can check out our website, anti, like antibody, and verse, like universe, antiverse.io. You can reach me at murat at antiverse.io. I'm also on LinkedIn. 
That was Murat, co-founder of Antiverse, antibody drug discovery platform, combining AI and lab tech to predict antibody antigen bindings. In this episode, we learned a lot about Murat, how the technology works, the individual aspects of the team, the future of what he's... Thank you for joining us today with Learning with Lowell. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We can be found on Twitter at Lowell is here, Facebook, and on the website, learningwithlowell.com. Also sign up for the newsletter where you can hear amazing content every Monday, new episodes every Tuesday, and new blog posts around every thursday remember to share and tell your friends please and thank you